0: feel welcome and good to see everybody else as well take your bible and i want you to find john's gospel chapter number 21 one sunday morning i'm going to say something and it won't be turned to john amen you'll all fall over not knowing what to expect john chapter number 21 we've been john for quite some time now looking at the sevens we find in this book again the seven i ams, the seven miracles the seven witnesses the seven conversations with women the seven men that are mentioned by name and now I want to look at you at seven people. Seven people. And uh, seven disciples. In John chapter number 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples Simon Peter saith unto them I go a fishing they say unto him we also go with thee they went forth and entered into a ship immediately that night they caught nothing but when the morning was now come Jesus stood on the shore but his disciples knew not that it was Jesus then Jesus saith unto them children have ye any meat they answered him no and he answered and he said unto them cast the net to the right side of the ship and ye shall find they cast therefore and now they were not able to draw before the multitude of the fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, "It is the Lord." Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat on him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a, in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but that were two hundred cubits, dragging the nets with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals and there fish and laid thereon and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon, Peter, went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, for there were all oh, so many, yet the net, and yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing it was the Lord. Now, Lord, we come to part today, and it's been a good day be here and be with your people and fellowship and uh, sing these songs and also to say goodbye to the young people who will be leaving and others lord as they head off to school locally and we pray for your hand to be upon them all bless the children next door and downstairs and minister to them and put within their heart a great love and desire to know and serve you and lord for us who are here may we cast the world off for just a few moments and listen to what you have to say Spirit of God, you desire to do a work in all of our hearts. You desire to do something, whether it's for salvation or for our edification, that we may be made more like the Master. May, that, may you have your perfect will and way in every heart here this morning. Bless now this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot here. and There's a thousand sermons. This is one of my favorite stories in the Gospels, one of them. If I was to give you a top five, this story here would be, this entire chapter would be in that listing. It takes place after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples find themselves in a very peculiar position because they are in a place where they have been ministering, they have been in school, they have studied for three years, and now the Lord was crucified. He was buried, and he rose again. And during those, those three days or so, they have, in their minds, failed miserably uh, the test that they thought they were going through. They've denied the Lord, they've ran, they've scattered, they have not done, they have doubted, They have. it's just not what you would expect from these men, and they obviously, no doubt, held a high standard for themselves and what they should be doing. Simon Peter is the leader of the disciples, no doubt. He is always mentioned as the first disciple. Anywhere you find a listing of the twelve, you will always find Peter mentioned first. He is the most vocal of them and, and uh, the one who seems to be the leader, so to speak. And Simon Peter looks at the rest of the men there and he says unto them that now he's going to go fishing. We'll get more into that. But I would like you to draw your attention to verse number two. It says, There were together Simon Peter, Thomas Coldidimus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two of his disciples. I want us to look this morning at who is in the boat. That's the title of my message, Who is in the Boat? It's interesting that we have five disciples mentioned. Uh, There are only three mentioned by name, which would be Simon, Thomas, and Nathanael. And the other two are simply referred to as the sons of Zebedee. And the the other two are simply referred to as two other disciples. So there are three by name, two who are, we are told who they are. We know who the sons of Zebedee are if you study scripture, but we're not told their name. And then we are left to wonder about the two other disciples. When we think of these men, and we're going to go very quickly through these men and look at some things, and, and, and then we'll show you from scripture who the two other disciples are that are not mentioned. I got a revelation from God. Don't believe that, but I just I, 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 God laid something on my heart. I want to help you this morning. So, when we see Peter, the last time we saw Peter would be in John chapter number 8, 18 and verse number 27. And the third time, Peter is asked that, and is told that you are one of his disciples, and he very adamantly and and loudly says no i'm not and denies that he knows the lord jesus christ can you think of a more tragic moment in a christian's life than to deny that they even know jesus christ i've never been tortured don't want to be tortured often thought about it what it must be like for human beings to be tortured i think of great martyrs what they've gone through they've been crucified, burned at the stake, stoned, slaughtered, killed, and all manner of of, of devices that men can think of uh, for their faith. And many of them died gloriously in, in, for the Lord. And I thought, now, Lord, you're going to have to provide some extra grace if that happens to me someday or if that ever happens to me because I just don't know. I'm not a strong man. I don't know how much torture I can withhold before my flesh would cry out and say, no, uh, uh, maybe I don't know him. I like to think I'm braver than that, but I just I can't say because I haven't been put to that test. Peter was put to a test one night and he was told that you will deny me. He says no I'm not going to deny you and we find him that night denying the Lord and the rooster crows and Peter runs off into the night and the Bible says and the words are explicit where he wept bitterly all night. Now think about that. A man this this very strong man we'll see, you say how do you know he was a strong man? Well in verse number 11 there's a net it says and Simon Peter went up and drew the Net to land full of great fishes, 150. According to scripture, it was Simon who went down to the shore and grabbed that net full of 100 fish, and he dragged it up to where it would be safe on land where the fish could not escape back to the sea. Now, my friend, I've never dragged a net full of 150 fish, but I'm sure it's a great weight. And according to scriptures, Peter did that. He was a strong man a powerful man. He's been a fisherman all his life. He's used to drawing in those nets. I, no doubt the man had some serious forearms on him and some serious biceps of all the hard work he'd done all his life. He's not a sissified individual. He was a strong man. And for this strong man to be terrified and say, I don't know him, and then to go out and weep all night bitterly speaks volumes of him, and I'm not putting him down one bit. But Simon Peter was a he was a fervent man. He, we could say he was a very warm hearted man. He was a, an impulsive individual. He was impetuous. He was a very affectionate individual. But he was a failing man. And God puts failing men in the Bible to, I think, encourage us when we fail. Because all of us are really have known failure. <laughs> all of us know the awful taste of it, whether it's through a sporting event or some task we must do, and we failed at that task. Then there's Thomas. Now, Thomas, when I say Thomas, if you think of the Bible, what's the first, besides English muffins, what's the first thought that pops into your head when I say Thomas? You'll think Doubter. 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 It's a sad testimony, is it not? And he's really not a doubter, but he did doubt. Thomas would do great things for God. He would... The, the, the Gospels have some wonderful things to say about Thomas, but he's, he's marked with doubt. And oftentimes history is filled with men who did great things, but one bad episode marred them in their life, especially in sporting events. Anybody who knows baseball, if I mention the name Bill Buckner, Bill Buckner, great baseball player, but one play in one game in one World Series marked the man for the rest of his life. And, uh, and he would sign autographs. With a picture of him making a brutal error. But he was a great baseball player. Uh, other men have done great things. And, uh, and, but their life, was, they're known by that one failure in their life. Thomas, again, is, is an interesting man. Uh, we call him Doubting Thomas. And again, it's not fair to call him that. But his name, Didymus, Thomas, Didymus means twin. And so Thomas had a sibling, whether brother or sister that was related to him and he's not we're not we don't know who they are but the fact that god tells us that his name is Thomas called Didymus the twin tells us that somewhere out there was a, a a sibling and we find a man who when the lord is crucified what is thomas's reaction we find thomas to be a broken hearted man because they didn't understand the resurrection they knew that this is going to be a millennial kingdom. He's going to establish it. We're going to rule and reign with him. And now, now he's dead. We didn't. We, what happened? We, did we miss something? Yeah, you did miss it, but it's okay. God's okay when we miss something. It'll come back around. But Thomas is a broken-hearted man. If you back up to chapter number twenty, and we see in verse number twenty-four, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to them, "We have seen the Lord." But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my fingers in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples within, and Thomas with them, then came Jesus, the door being shut, and stood in the midst, say, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. The Lord's not saying that in a mean or cruel way. He's trying to encourage Thomas. And Thomas gets encouraged. He, Thomas said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they which have not seen, yet have believed. That, my friend, that last part's a reference to you and I. I've never seen him, but I've seen him. Thomas has seen, and now he believes. And Thomas believes in God. He's, again, a broken hearted man. Again, all of us, all of us have suffered from a broken heart. And a broken heart is slow to come around to believe something again. <laughs> in the, the realm of relationships, how many people have had a broken heart? And they said, never again. I'm not going to fall in love ever again. And it's true at the moment. But as time heals and wounds mend and, and, and God puts things back together again, we find that, Love springs again in our hearts. God has given us that ability to do that. And Thomas, through his broken heart, and, and no doubt anger towards God is rekindled, and he loves the Lord once again, and, and it wants to be in service to him. My friend, when your heart is broken or you think God didn't, is not fair to you, you know where you'll end up? You're going to end up in the boat. Peter is a man who's denied the Lord, thinks I, I really can't be used of God. I'm, I just might as well go back to fishing. Thomas is a man, you know, I, 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 I told everybody I wouldn't believe, and yet the Lord had to come to me and prove it to me. How good am I? I, I had to see it in order to believe it. I'm, I'm really not cut out for this thing. We have Nathanael is mentioned in Scripture. Nathanael is a man who has a double name. He's Nathanael. In other places, the Bible calls him Bartholomew. So again, a man with a double name. And and again, I'm not going to go into all the ins and outs of it all, but uh, Nathanael is mentioned mostly in the beginning of John's Gospel in chapters number one and and, uh, talks a lot about him. And and I don't like Nathanael. If you go back there really quickly, John chapter number one, I want us to see what type of man Nathanael was. I want us to see who's in this boat. Sometimes it's always good to know who's with you, what type of people you got with you on the side. And, and uh, Nathanael, uh, it says in chapter number 1 and uh, in verse number 45, Philip findeth Nathaniel and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law, and the prophets did write Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Nathanael. Verse number 46, Nathaniel saith them, "Can." there any good thing come out of nazareth and philip saying that come and say now i want you to pay attention to that phrase can any good thing come out of nazareth that's a wise crack that's a wise crack anybody here guilty of a wise crack i know i've been in school usually (laughs) it's more serious trouble (laughs) what'd you say swikowski nothing and everybody meanwhile everybody else is cracking up around you and you came out with some wise crack and the thing hey we found the messiah and he's from nazareth anything good come out of nazareth you know, we make fun of towns around us, you know. This is how we are. You know, we're from Kearney, and my mother was from Kearney, and my father was from Harrison. There was always that Kearney Harrison war going on. Who's better? Carney or Harrison. And then you got North Arlington. Don't get me started on them people. And, and then they think they, they think they're better than us. And the further up you go, they think they're better than the rest of us, amen. You got the Lindhurst crowd, and uh <laughs> Right, Miss Jenny and Lou—they—they they have their own little team here. That's why they're sitting next to each other. And uh, so then you have that crowd. Now, of course, you got the, these two ladies over here. They've joined the Linners crowd. They think they're better than all of us. And so they're there. And uh, and so you know we—and we always make fun of towns. We, when we were kids, we always made fun of each town for what we thought they were. And uh, and, and and so I won't go into them because it was nice, but it was just the way it was. That town. <laughs> Bunch of losers in that town. Bunch of idiots, right, Tone? And bunch of idiots over there. Belleville was a big enemy. Belleville was bad. So the, there's the, the, the jaw groups there. They weren't in, were in town back then. So no offense for anything I said about Belleville back in the early 80s. But we didn't like Belleville. They were just, they were the enemy. And, and almost got into a serious, serious brawl one night in Belleville by the high school one night there. We won't go into that story. But it was just a, a war between us and Belleville. And my brother-in-law is from Belleville, which solidifies my thoughts, amen? Now, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but we always had these things. And so here he is, this young man. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's that same thing that goes on, that same mentality. He's wisecracking. He's saying something. And then the Lord comes up to him in verse 47, Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. And so the Lord, and that word guile means there, there's no he's he's a good man. He's got an honest heart. He's not deceitful. And so Nathaniel may have been a wisecracker, may have had these things we're seeing here, but he was a a man who was, uh, again, not a deceitful individual, but a wisecracker nonetheless. I'm sure if you hung around Nathaniel long enough, you were probably cracking up and laughing and, and probably always at the wrong time. Amen? Wasn't it the worst? Isn't it the worst when it's supposed to be a serious situation and you I can't sit next to that person because you know it's going to be over. (laughs) You're going to be sitting there. Sometimes something in church will happen. It's a serious moment. I'll look at somebody and I'll have to put my head down and pretend I'm praying or something because, Lord, please, not now. Lord, help me. I have to think sad thoughts. I have to think depressing thoughts because I'm on the verge of, of busting out here right now. And so I Anybody else do that? Or is that just me? Do I to say Thank you. It's a few people, a like, few honest people. So it's always difficult. Sometimes just, that was, thank you. And uh, I can't look at, so they say, why did you look at me, preacher? Because it'd be over. It'd be over. <laughs> it'd be done. So I just keep my head down, look at the We Preach Christ sign, and just go forward. I think Nathaniel may have been one of those type of men, but at this point in time, he's in the boat. And Nathaniel's not doing any wisecracking. Nathaniel finds himself discouraged there. And then we go back to John 21 where we see we have Peter, we have Didymus, and we have Nathaniel, and then we have the sons of Zebedee. I thought it interesting. I said, now, Lord, why didn't we just call these men by their name, James and John? I mean, you you could have saved one letter. (laughs) But to, to put in there sons of Zebedee, it's interesting that he would say that. Why would they be identified by their father's name? And why not James and John? Why not? Well, I, I think I have a reason. I wouldn't say it's the reason, but it's a good reason nonetheless. And the, uh, Their father was a fisherman. Their father had a fishing business. They used to work for their father in the fishing industry. And, and there's good proof from history that their father not only was a fisherman, but he was a very prosperous and very wealthy fisherman. He had a good fishing business. And these men packed up and left dad's business to go off into the ministry. And the fact that where we find them now is they have gone back to the fishing business. And so instead of being called James and John where we would know them as the men who are the disciples of the Lord and the preachers and the men going to do great things, they're, they're referred back to their, their fisherman relationship. And so we find again these men, Peter a fisherman. Nathaniel, we really don't know what his occupation was or Thomas's, but we know that at least uh, three of these men were fishermen. They've all gone back to this fishing trade. So we have a boat here filled with problem people. We have a boat here filled with people, with men with issues. We have men here who who are... thinking they are not qualified to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Men who have failed, men who have faltered, and and men who have doubted and denied. And can I tell you who the two other disciples are? At least my little thought on it. It's you and me. It's you and me. We're in the boat. My friend, if you've never been in this boat, hang on, you'll, you'll end up in the boat one day, no doubt. Well, you and I are in that boat with the disciples. It's you and I who are sitting there with them. Now, of course, in reality, it's two other disciples, but God did not tell us. He told us there's seven people in this boat. Seven is the com- number of completion. It's the number of God. It's the number of perfection. It's God's number, so God only gave us seven. There's only 11 disciples left alive at this point in time. Judas is dead, and, and uh, so there's 11. But we, we, the others are. We do not know, but God tells us about these seven And these seven are about to experience something very important. And I say it's you and I because, my friend, when we go through our doubts and trials, the rest of the story applies to you and I. God is not a God who casts off his people. God is not a God who is done with us when we falter. God is not a God who who will uh, uh, beat us when we fail to understand something. I want you to understand, again, something we kind of back up a little bit, that When these men are in this boat, they're not right. And we have a lot of hints that they are not right emotionally and spiritually. And I encourage you that there will become times when you are not right emotionally and spiritually. That's called being human. And God never expected you to be right 100% of the time. I know some people think that, but that's not scripture. I'd like you to keep your finger here, but I want you to find Matthew chapter number 28. I want to show you something. It's very important to understand why, what's going on. In Matthew chapter number 28. In verse number 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. I want you to notice that phrase, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. That's the only time they are given this appointment. I have an appointment. Now, again, to understand, we don't know when Jesus gave them this appointment. I have on my phone Google calendars. I live and die by Google calendar. I mark things down there to remind me of everything because my brain is—it doesn't work like it never did. And so I have to have reminders. My wife says, I need extra reminders for my reminders to remind me to look at the reminders. And so, and I, I need a reminder of that reminder. So I live and die by that. What's going on this week? What's going on today? And I mark it down so I try not to forget what's going on in my life. And my Google Calendar is synced sync with Renee's Google Calendar, so we all know what's going on. Did you mark this down? What's going on this day? And, uh, well, that's coming. And so we we're in sync. Jesus gave them an appointment. And he told them, I want you to go to the mountain where we used to resort. And and I want you to stay there. That's an appointment he gave them. To go to that mountain. And when we go to John's gospel, and we read John's gospel, where do we find the disciples? Down by the sea. They're supposed to be up here. But Peter says, you know what? I'm going fishing, and he goes down here. Now, I know it's geographically speaking, but, my friend, it's also, I think it speaks volumes of his spirituality that he did not stay where Christ had appointed them. Now, men, a lot of things are going to happen, so I want to, I'm going to meet you up here in this, this, this mountain. Stay there. I'll come to you. Trust me. Peter, I'm going fishing. And so he goes down to the, to the, to the lake there. Peter was an impulsive man, a man of action, and not given to standing idly by for a very long period of time. And by the way, if you're going to serve God, you better learn that there's one thing you better do when it comes to serving God, and that, my friend, is one little word called wait. You stand here and wait. How long? It's none of your business until I tell you to move, but you wait. Occupy till I come a lot of men in scripture had to learn to wait upon God Abraham was told to wait he'd have a son he didn't wait and he got a handmaiden messed up David was told to wait and David had to sit in the wilderness for many years Uh, King Saul messed up and did not wait Moses messed up killed an Egyptian thinking he was going to be the deliverer and God took him and threw him in the wilderness for 40 years and told him to wait Christianity, my friend, is sometimes just waiting on God. This is something, I have to wait on God. Be still. What's that be still mean? It means wait. Be still and know that I am God. I'm all, it's all right. Don't worry. Train's not late. It's going to get here when I, at the, the point in time. Peter was going down to go fishing, not because he was doing some recreational fishing to pass the time. Listen, let's just do something till Jesus... No, he was going down because he was declaring that he was returning to his former livelihood. Uh, I'm not a man qualified for the ministry. No man who denies his Lord is qualified for the ministry. And so you know what I'm doing? I'm going down fishing. We see that in 21 verse 3. I go a-fishing. Now the Bible tells us that no man puts his hand to the plow and looks back as worthy. But oftentimes a man may put his hands on that plow and look back because of his own failures. Now again, Jesus had already predicted that his disciples would abandon him. He told them that they would be scattered and go to their own homes. He told them, you're going to do that. He, so God knows. When we read the Bible, uh, that, that, that word translated boat, as we see here in Scripture here, and uh, this word ship, actually, see how Peter said to them in verse 3, I go fishing, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship. Immediately that night they caught nothing. That word ship, again, when we see it here, is belonging to somebody. They just wouldn't get in a, in a ship. It, they, it had to belong to somebody. You just can't go down to a dock and jump in anybody's ship and take off. So I, I was questioning, well, whose ship was this? Who did this ship belong to? I doubt it was Peter's, because Peter hasn't been fishing in three years. So it's probably, since we have the reference to the sons of Zebedee, their father's fishing business, I, I'm, I'm of the persuasion, you can argue with me, and we can debate this, that, it's, that it belongs... To the to Zebedee, and so these boys. Oh, that's my dad's ship. We'll just go out. We'll go fishing. Maybe we can pick this thing up again and see how we'll make out. Since we we're not good at preaching, <laughs> we're not good at witnessing, we're not good at standing firm. Maybe we can go back to preaching. My friend, if God's called you to do something, you can never do anything else. Now, again, not everybody's called to preach, but we're all called to witness. We're all called to live for Christ. And, and, and you can't do anything else except do that because that's in you. Jeremiah says, his words were in my bones burning like a fire and I could not forbear. I had to speak. I had to say something. So they go back to the ship. So again, this, this idea that these men have given up, this idea that these men have quit the ministry is laid out. The fact that Peter says he's going fishing, the fact that they're back on this boat, and, and when we jump over to verse number 15, it says, And so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? When it's very clear that when Jesus is talking to Peter, again as the leader, he says, Now, Peter, do you love me more than these? These fish, these nets, these hooks, these boats, everything associated with what it takes to be a fisherman. Do you love me more than this business here? Because Peter was intending on going back to that business. What is it, Peter? Who do you love more? And we know three times Jesus says that to him. And three times Peter says, you know I love you. Then, then your job is to... Feed my lambs and feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Three times he's encouraged, you're in the ministry. Never mentions his failures, never mentions his denials, but he encourages him because Peter is thinking about taking up the fishing trade once again. Many a Christian has questioned their service of the Lord, especially after a failure. Every preacher experiences failures, (laughs) every Christian experiences failures. These men in the boat are there, and they feel like they failed a great test. They, what they fail to understand is there's a lot going on with this crucifixion. Crucifixion wasn't about them. It's about the sins of the world being taken care of and, 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 and Scripture being fulfilled. And, and they put all this pressure on themselves that, you know, it's all about us, and we've got to stand firm, and we've got to stand strong, and somehow God's not able to do this without us. You know, God's been doing really good without us. God survived... Just fine before he created this thing. And God will do just fine after our bones are in the ground, although we may be home. I met some preachers, by the way, think they're wondering how God survived all this time without them. I'm always amazed at those individuals. I'm wondering how God survives with me. Just keep putting my hands in things. Like, but there they are. They fail to understand that there's a lot going on. The work of redemption is the focal point, not the disciples'. But oftentimes we'll take that thing we'll put it all on us. And we'll put burdens on us that God never put on us. We'll put responsibilities upon us that God never put upon us. We'll put a shame upon us that God has removed from us. Understanding the mind of God is not your responsibility, my friend. Understanding, and these men failed to understand what God was doing and, and the, and the reason they failed to understand it is because God did not give them full understanding. You ever notice a scripture where Jesus says, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to rise again. And, and, and these guys just didn't catch it. How do you not catch that? Well, sometimes, my friend, people say a lot of things and, and we don't catch until afterwards. And we go, oh. Oh. Can I use a bad illustration? I'm a nice guy. Ain't I, Tone? I'm just nice to people. And I'm just nice to be- And every now and then, years ago, years ago, long before I met her, I'd be nice to somebody. And you were flirting with her. No, I was just being nice. Oh, no, you were flirting. I don't know how to flirt. I really don't. If I did, it would look really weird and awkward. I'm just being nice. And sometimes a girl was nice to me, and I thought, well, she's just being nice. And somebody said, she was flirting with you. Me? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, definitely. She was. I didn't, if she was, I didn't catch it. Melanie, don't tell your mother these stories, okay? It happened to me all the time with these girls, but I just, just didn't get it, amen? <laughs> Anyhow, you understand, Robert, amen? That's how it is. <laughs> I'd pick on other men, but other men are like, <laughs> keep preaching, Pastor, moving on, Pastor. I know guys get flirted on by girls from Home, Home Depot and stuff. It's, it's amazing what goes on out there now. So I'm just being nice. I didn't pick up on these things. And he goes, you, you were flirting with me. Like, no, just being nice. You're walking to the bank. Hi, how you doing? How's your week going? Give me my money so I can get out of here. And thank you. I had even one girl asked me out one time at the bank. What you can do with all this money? I don't know. <laughs> I had a week's vacation and two weeks paid vacation. So I had three weeks paycheck. What are you going do with all this money? I don't know. Maybe you can take me out Friday night. happened to me in my world before, so I don't know how to act, Tone. I had, no, I had no moves. I know you find that hard to believe. Thank you, Tony, for not saying anything. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to be crucified. The Son of Man, they're going to turn me over. And they're like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the, what happened? What then later on, it's like, oh, now we get it. Now we get it. We missed it. My friend, don't you think that maybe God... Kind of let them miss it? Don't you think God kind of like kind of blinded their eyes a little bit so they wouldn't get it? Imagine, this is supposed at the fire, this is supposed to happen. Our Lord is going to be crucified. And then, he, no, he, he, it wouldn't be right. So they failed to realize that their failures, my friends, are our failures are stepping stones often to spiritual maturity where we can grow. If we move on in this story, and we have to move very quickly... But I wanted to see the people in the boat. Because, again, I say there's seven people, three named, two referenced by father, by trade, two unknown. I put us there because we we can identify with every single aspect of this. And I want to encourage us that we can identify with the next phase of what's going to happen to these men. Where it says, verse 5, children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. Now, he's supposed to meet them on the mountaintop. Did Jesus say, you know what? Forget them, guys. I'm going to sit here and let them catch up with me. You know, where did he go? He went to where they were. <laughs> and he's and he's purposely, they failed all night. There's nothing worse than fishing and not catching anything. Some people like, say, oh, it's better than anything. I said, Listen, it's boring. I'm not a fishing person. I don't get into it unless you're catching some fish, and then I don't even like to eat the thing. So if we had fishing for cows or chickens or turkeys, i I, I get into that. But we're just, this fish, I just, you know, almost had a salmon almost kill me last week with the bones in it. So I don't, I'm don't. i just not into it. A cow bone never tried to kill me, amen? That's all I got to say on that. You can take them bad boys and... And if you're too good for that, I don't want to know you. Amen. I do that in a restaurant right now. And we're in a restaurant. everybody has got a problem? Because <laughs> there's always one guy looking at her. He's doing it. Maybe I can do it. And his wife's giving me this, you know, that evil eye. Better not. But anyhow, children, have ye any meat? Cast your nets on the right side of the ship and you shall find. And they drew that multitude of fishes. How many fish? 100 and fishing. 150 fishes. He came to them, and I want you to notice when he came to them, they were failing. And my friend, when you're out of the will of God, you will always fail. When you're not doing what God told, even when, listen, it's better to fail in the will of God than it is to, because you're going to fail definitely out of the will of God, and that'll be far worse. And he shows them here by catching that they can turn failure into a blessing. And he invites them to the shore to sit down. And there, my friend, Jesus has the fire. It's a, it's a cool morning. Springtime can be cool on the ocean. Peter's soaking wet. And, he's, and he needs to get, be dried off. And Jesus has fire to warm him there. And there he feeds them bread and, and biscuits and fish sandwiches. Listen, I've said this a thousand times before. But again, wouldn't you love to taste the biscuits Jesus made? Man, if Jesus had a biscuit company, Pillsbury would go out of business. Amen? I like Pillsbury. You know, you take that thing, pop it on the counter. It's, it's, they're, they're nice. They're making some home Jesus made bread and biscuits and fed him fish sandwiches. My friend, God will take care of you when you fail. God will provide for you when you think you've messed up. God does not cast... And God doesn't bring up their failure. Peter, you... Didn't I tell you? <laughs> then I say, I told you, right? I told you, and you, and you didn't let, you, you, no, you didn't. Never says that. By the way, don't do that to people. It's, it's, it's annoying. You don't like when it's done to you, don't do it to others. Thomas, what's your problem? Nathaniel, what? Was I supposed to meet you guys on the mountain, and now you're down here? Never says that. Boys, do you love me? Yes, Lord. (laughs) Let's get back to business. Let's be doing what we're supposed to be doing. Let's get back to where we... I never told you to quit. Did I say I was through with you? Did I say you're done? Did I say I'm... Forget you? No. I called you guys knowing who you were. I called you knowing all your faults and failures and shortcomings. And I called you and ministered and worked you with these three years. Don't you think I knew these things? Feed my sheep. Oftentimes people say, Pastor, you just don't know what I've done, Pastor. I've messed up and God can't forgive me. You, do you have a verse for that? Because I've been looking for years. I can't find that verse that people often say to me. I've just done too much, Pastor. That, that's right here next to Second Confusions, verse 6, chapter 6, I'm sorry, verse 66. Thou hast done too much. Forget you, you loser. i I can't find that. Amen. That must be in some parallel version somewhere. I don't see that verse. I do see. I'll never leave you, forsake you. I, I, I do find that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins. I, I, I see where you cast your burdens on the Lord. I, I see all these things. But I never see where he says, you know what? I'm done. And if anybody could be done, if anybody could be cast off, it would be these guys. Because, again, Peter's sins bad. We look at the watch. Bad thomas that's bad but they went on to do great things so my friend we got five people in the boat that we know by name you and i are in the boat you and i are going to do some of these things we're going to find ourselves here but you know what you're going to find you're going to find a savior who's going to say hey just cast it on the other side come here sit down Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. Jesus has the table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his people, come and dine. I'm glad he invites me to come and dine when I fail. I'm glad he he invites me to come and dine when I fall short. I'm glad he invites me to come and dine when I don't come up to my expectations. He still invites me to come and dine with the meal that he has provided. And my friend, it's all his. And he tells Peter, now you get the rest of those fish and drag them over here. We'll cook them up and we'll... And we'll eat, and we'll talk, and we'll get back to business. Amen? So, again, who's in the boat? Well, there's seven. And two are unknown. And I think God left it out on purpose. By the way, if you do the, the math on those numbers, it would be easier just to name two guys. It would be less letters than to say, and two other disciples. That's a, I think that was 13 letters or so. if I, My math is, remembers what I, was supposed to, what I counted last night. Than to simply say, it was Judas and Simon, or or whoever. But he did it for a purpose. Did it for a reason, not to name them. So we can put ourselves there and we can experience mercy, forgiveness, redemption, and and restoration when we fail. Let's stand together for prayer. Our Father, we thank you that you're a gracious God. Lord doesn't have to be men from Galilee, but, Lord, people from New Jersey and people from all around the world who've gathered here this morning and watched through the Internet. You want to use us. You desire to use us. You want to do great things through us. The world may not see them as great. We may not see them as great. But, Lord, even if we just bring one sinner to Christ because of our witness, a great thing has been accomplished because that sinner's soul is far greater than all the wealth of the world bless this time encourage those who are discouraged and and, uh, help those who failed and faltered and stumbled though lord we be cast down we are not utterly cast down you uphold us by your omnipotent and powerful hand bless now this time we pray in jesus name